Okay, welcome to another episode of the Anxiety Wad Podcast. I am your host, Corey. So thankful you guys are here once again to join me on another episode. Episode 13 already. Can't believe it. Now, we've done a lot more episodes with the quick tips or the wads, and uh, this is just number 13 of the full episodes. So I appreciate you guys. Appreciate the feedback. Appreciate you listening in. It's really... (laughs) really gone a lot farther than I ever expected. It was just kind of my way of helping out those people that are close to me that ask for advice, but also this thing uh, originated from the, the desire to have something more concrete to help my son. And, you know, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and I, I'm really loving it. It's fun. It's, it's very easy for me. It's, um, you know, tough questions, tough subject matter, but just sitting here talking into a microphone is something I'm really enjoying. So, Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. On today's episode, we're going to talk a variety of things. Some are similar to episodes in the past and some are not. So we're going to try to start off here with a conversation about how to tell someone that they're not the person to talk to about your anxiety. So I'll read the full question and then we'll be off and running. So, something David Swedberg said, and he was on previously when we talked about religion, so if you haven't listened to that one, please do so, is helping me form my question. He mentioned trusting someone to talk to them and to help. I really want my husband to be the one to listen and to talk through things, and he is slowly getting into the role, but slowly. He doesn't have anxiety, so he doesn't really get it. My question, how do you tell someone they're not the person you want to talk to about your anxiety right now. They're sometimes pushy about it too, and it's almost more of a trigger for my anxiety. Thanks for all your resources and help. Thank you for that question. I really appreciate that. And this is something that we've talked a little bit about, but we'll go in more depth on this this episode here. So first of all, first of all, like how do you tell someone that they're not the person you want to talk to about your anxiety right now? My question is, do you have to tell them that? Do you have to tell them that they're not the person? Rather than giving them snippets of what you're dealing with and then giving the full story to someone that can really help you out. Um, The shortened version or the summary version will still help your husband feel like he's involved. Um, And you got to be careful if it's it's a guy because... (laughs) Being left out, it might hit on his ego a little bit, and so he might get frustrated, and that might be what's going on. I think an explanation would probably be good. And as brutally honest as you can be, saying, you know, when when we talk about this, when you push me and I'm not ready, it makes my anxiety worse. When you try to force answers out of me, It makes things worse. I get more anxious. Be honest with how you want your significant other to approach you, how you want them to ask questions. It's a give and take, right? So you are a little guarded because you know this person causes you a little bit more anxiety than you're ready for at the moment because you did say right now. They may be that person down the road, but with any skill, it comes from practice. So we need to practice opening that door, even if it's just cracking the door a little bit and having that back and forth conversation between the door. Now it might not even open up all the way at at any point, 
but it's safe to have that brutally honest conversation with your significant other and tell them exactly where you are in this moment. Even if it hurts their feelings, if it's someone that loves you, they'll come back around. Now it's hard to be honest with something that you're hurt, you're hurting and then hurting someone else. I get that completely. Like you don't want to hurt this person's feelings, but in the end, you're going to end up hurting yourself by not being brutally honest because it's going to stay forced. It's going to stay that he's curious. He's, it's going to stay that this thought for him is probably like, well, why doesn't she want to share with me? Right. And, and it's really a pride thing for guys. You know, we want to be there. We're, we're supposed to be the provider. We're supposed to be the protector. We're supposed to be the one that is the safety net from anything bad happening to your significant other or your kids, or, you know, we're supposed to bring home the bacon, all that kind of cliche stuff. And that's ingrained in our nature as a guy, but we don't read between the lines. We just, we're not born with that. So brutal honesty, and it doesn't even have to be brutal, just honesty, period. Telling him. When we talk about this and you say things like fill in the blank, that causes me more anxiety. What I need from you is when I talk about my anxiety, say this, because it's going to be different for everybody. You know, for me, it's like, okay, give me a little time for me to figure it out and then I'll come back and talk about it. And me and my wife have gotten to that point where she just knows she can kind of sense it now. It's like, okay, he's, he's grinding his gears. What is it that he needs? For me, it's more so because I've done enough work that it takes me longer to dig deeper because it's something that surprises me. The easy stuff is easy to talk about. It's like, well, you know, today I got anxious because of whatever just didn't go right. And so I knew that. But then there's some times where it's like, I got anxious at something that was totally unexpected and I'm not sure why. Somebody needs some time to figure that out to dig into who I am as a person. Why did that set me off? Because sometimes I don't know. And my wife does a really good job of giving me that space just because we've had the honest conversation, sometimes brutal, sometimes we argued, but it's practice. An argument is practice. A brutal conversation is practice. An honest conversation is practice for when it really hits the fan. When I all of a sudden just have a really anxious day and I don't know why she can tell or she can ask a one question and I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm trying to figure it out and it's safe. So what I would say as far as them not being a person, you can still understand that they're there out of love. They're there trying to help and give them a little brief snippet to satisfy them as well as continue to practice opening that door. Now, absolutely find someone that you can open up to because you can continue to heal. And by the, by healing, you're going to make those conversations with your significant other a little bit easier because the farther you get into your healing, the easier it is to talk about this stuff. In all honesty from me, jump in cannonball to the deep end with your husband, start talking about it and have some ugly conversations, have some stuff that's extremely, um, extremely honest to the point and what you need, because it's going to bring you closer and it's going to bring him into your weird little world. Because the more people we can bring into our weird little world, just like I've talked about the scavenger hunt, people 
are the strongest thing you can pick up in your scavenger hunt. Having those early, as soon as possible, brutal conversations is only going to benefit you. So I think that's good for that conversation. Got a little bit long, but uh, that question's a really good one. So let me know if you have any more questions. I'll try to address them as they as they come in. Um, but yeah, thank you for submitting that question. I really appreciate that. Question number two is kind of a multi-faceted, if you will, question. Um, I've talked about anxiety and work before, but I really focused on like a job interview. Um, could you talk about anxiety and work? I have high anxiety at work sometimes, and I have a hard time managing it there. Specific questions could be, uh, how can I manage my a panic attack in public? How can I work a high-stress job with anxiety? How to keep personal and work life separate without the darn anxiety getting in the way? Could you speak to anxiety and having a crucial, crucial conversation and conversations around conflict? I find that I work myself up a lot when I have to have one of those. And those are great questions. And, and you know, um, there was one that I did discuss about anxiety and work, and I did address some of these. So managing panic attacks in public is first find the skill that is gonna that you can bring with you. You know, we talked about grounding uh, on the wad this week, and bring find the skill to bring with you, and then have an exit strategy. So for work specifically, find a place that is safe for you to remove yourself from the current situation um, and deal with it with your skill set that you use to bring yourself down. Now contact me if you don't have any or read some of the the wads um, from from the podcast here and that those will help you out. But uh, also I, I, I su- highly suggest you talk to your HR person so they know and can relay that to your supervisor in case you kind of all of a sudden disappear. Um, more communication is better and it's not something you should hide from. And in fact, I encourage you to share with your supervisor because if you work in a company like mine that, that praises vulnerability and open communication, it's going to really benefit you to have, again, people on your side to help you get through those scary situations. It's very scary to do in public, especially at work. Um, you want to maintain like this false sense of security and control at work, which when you're dealing with something like panic disorder, there really isn't that. So it can pop up at any point. So having a plan for exit at work is really going to benefit you. And then knowing, okay, if this happens when I'm in the office, I can go here and do this, like grounding, breath work, meditation, go for a walk, X, Y, and Z, whatever it is that you do that's going to calm you down the fastest, have that plan uh, ready to go. It's just like in safety, they always have like a contingency plan. You need to have that for your panic attacks. Next up is about high stress jobs with anxiety. Um, What I've found in my experience, and this may not talk to yours, is if there's a job that is causing you high anxiety and you're doing the work, but it's still not changing for you, it might be the wrong position. Now, it doesn't mean you have to leave the company, but it does mean you might have to look at, okay, is it actually the position that I'm in that is causing me this anxiety, or is it just that I'm not healed enough? Because your company should be open to 
re, um, reassigning you in a different position. And if they're not, it might not be the right company, but more than likely a company is going to be like, Oh, okay. So, which I've done this before I was, um, I was on board to become the, well, I was, I was the assistant plant manager and both the production and some of the other scheduling stuff, which scheduling is an area that I kind of struggle with at times, I'm not good at dates and times. And, uh, so it was a very high stress job for me. And I stepped down from that position because I wasn't at a point in my own healing that I was ready for something like that. And so I just said, Hey, I need to do something else. What else can I do? And so we find some, found something else for me to do. And it was a better fit for me. So that's what I would say about a high stress job is reevaluate if a, I'm at the right point in my healing that it is actually the job that is causing me stress or have I not healed enough that the anxiety is actually causing me stress and at work? I hope that makes sense. So again, is it my actual anxiety that is causing me stress or am I healed enough with my anxiety journey that it is actually the job? Now you need to evaluate what's your strengths and weaknesses. Um, what are things that you are passionate about? And where those things overlap with your strengths and your passion is a place that you need to work. It's going to be a better fit. It's going to be less stressful. It's going to be enjoyable, which work should be because we spend a large amount of our time there. So I hope that helps with as far as anxiety and a high stress job. Next up was how to keep personal and work life separate when your anxiety gets in the way. And this is going to be very direct. Be the same person at home as you are at work. Once I figured that I could do that with the company that I'm in, it was very easy. You know, it's very, it's, it's easy to separate because I leave my work at, at work. But when I get home, I'm the same person. I can be the same person in both places. Now I've done a lot of work on figuring out who exactly I am. So I can fit that in. And if you at home, and I've said this before, if the person you are at home doesn't match up with work, you probably need to figure out a few things at home to do it a little differently. Especially if you're an adult, it might be time to let go of some of those habits. If you're swearing all the time, it might be time to let that go. If you're partying too much, it might be time to change that habit, which I've done both of those. I really try to watch my swearing. I grew up in a football locker room. I grew up in a basketball locker room. So it's hard for me at times, but I quit drinking. It just wasn't a fit for me. It just didn't benefit me. It didn't let me be my best self. So I changed it. So be the same person you are at home and at work. Simple. And then crucial, crucial conversations. And I don't know if this ever gets easier. Um, I think people just have more practice. So let's say you're a person in a position that may have to fire someone and you have to have that conversation. Like you need to change or we're going to let you go. I think, I think for, for this one, like preparing can, um, mitigate some of those anxious, uh, feelings, but I think just jumping in and doing it and being brave, like you're going to be fearful, uh, uncomfortable conversations are always going to be uncomfortable for most people. Now there are some outliers that can do that without batting an eye. You know, sometimes I can do that even with, you know, being someone that has hand anxiety issues in the, in the past, um, you just kind of do it and kind of navigate your way through it. But there is a good book. 
It's called Crucial Conversations. <laughs> and I think I have a link to that on my website. But it, it just just Google Crucial Conversations book and it'll pop up. It's a really good book for dealing with confrontation. And it will give you some skills to deal with those kinds of situations and skills, like we say with anxiety, in regular life, the more skills you have to navigate life, the easier it's going to be and the less stressful it's going to be. So I think that should be good for that question too as well. Thank you for submitting that question. I really appreciate that. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that deal with anxiety in the workplace, just so you know. And they're probably people that are sitting very close to you. So that's all I'll say about that. I'm not going to drop any names or numbers, just so you know that you're not alone. All right. Question number three, how to deal with travel and anxiety. And I have touched on this one a little bit. Um, it's, and then I'll follow finish up the question here. So how do I deal with travel anxiety? It's not as bad if my children are around, but if they're not around, yikes. Uh, typically it's worse the night before we return home. I'm up hours with a nervous stomach. I do all the things to control my nerves, pray, tell myself I'm fine, rationalize that I get to see my kiddos tomorrow, but what else can I do? Helpful suggestions, please. Awesome. Great question. Uh, this is something I deal with as well. And the reason that it's not as bad when your children are with you is that you are preoccupied with dealing with your children rather than spending all of your time in your mind. Our mind is a crazy place when we spend so much time in there. We get to paint these lovely little pictures that turn into horror stories if we spend too much time in there, especially if we have a tendency for anxiety. Your kids are there, so you're taking care of them. You don't have much time to spend sitting in your mind <laughs> painting those pictures. So that, that's the real simple answer on why it's better when your kids are around is you're preoccupied. So for the rest of this question, what else can you do to keep your mind preoccupied to minimize your travel anxiety? So what I'll do is I'll go over a couple scenarios. Like, let's say you're traveling for a long weekend. You're within two hours driving distance. It's Sunday night. Um, or actually, so Saturday, let's say you're driving home Sunday. Saturday night, you can't sleep. Well, what I would do is I would have a notepad next to my bed and write down those things that you're worried about. Just write the, write the thought down and then move on. Put the, put the notepad down and try to lay back down. If something else comes up, write it down. Now, if the same thought is there, make a tally mark. And what this is doing is just um, acknowledging that the thought is there and it's trying to get it out of your brain. So when you write it down in your brain, visualize that I'm writing it down. That means it's going out of my head. And just keep doing that on repeat with every thought that comes up. So that's one skill that you can practice. And it, it may work, it may not. So what else? Um, grounding is a really good one. Is trying to figure out what around you can distract you. Just like your kids when they're flying around being crazy or you're taking care of them. Your mind isn't occupied with anxious thoughts. Whether it's the travel, whether if it's something happening whether it's worrying about all the things you have to do when you get home. And speaking to that, maybe just write a list of the things you have to do when you get home so you can tell yourself when you start going down that path, well, I have it written down so I know what I need to do. For me, Sunday nights are kind of difficult because I know it's go time Monday morning. 
And Sunday nights used to be some of the worst, worst nights for me for anxiety because I would spend time on, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do this. I need to do this, etc. And so what I started doing was just writing a list down or, um, I, I use Nosby and that's just a task management system. I would write it in there and hit save. And so it would be out of my brain and it would be put somewhere that I know that I can accomplish that when it's time to actually do it. So there's two things to get it out of your brain. Uh, next, what's the skill you can use to calm yourself down? Now, if you, you say you pray, you tell yourself you're fine, you rationalize that you get to see your kiddos tomorrow, but what about breath work? What about meditation? If you're in a hotel, go sit in a hot tub, focus on your breathing, try to relax, and just enjoy where you are right now. That's why grounding works so well. It, it makes you focus on where you're at right now. Now, if hot tubs don't work, go take a cold shower. That's going to bring you to presence because you have to focus on your breath. I really wish you guys would do cold showers. <laughs> do cold showers, man. It's really going to change your life. I promise you. They, they sound awful. And most people that I suggest that to are like, no, I can't do that. Well, you can. You just start choosing not to because it's uncomfortable. But it really works. So I would do a cold shower to help you get to presence because then what you're going to be thinking about is, okay, I need to warm up when you get out and you're going to be distracted. Right? So the other thing that, that might work really well is reading a book. Now I don't read books. I listen to books. I experience them as, as Micah would say. So if you can do an audio book or bring a book that is something that's going to get you distracted from your own worst enemy, which is your thoughts, but can kind of take you on a little bit of a journey. Um, it's going to be a good thing. Or what I like to do the most is I put earbuds in and I watch a movie and I just kind of hone in on the movie and kind of just get involved because if I don't, if I'm just sitting there thinking, I just I have time to <laughs> create terrible stories. Next up, and probably going to be the last resort is try to talk to your doctor about getting some sort of sedative. For me, I have to use a sedative for travel because of my claustrophobia. It's very minimal now, but when I started out, once I started taking that, it made travel a lot easier. So I would do it, um, before I got on the plane and the night before we went back home. And then again, before we got on a plane. And so you, you maybe even only need three. So it's for the plane the night before you travel back home. And then when you're about to get back on the plane, you take another one, nothing wrong with using sedatives to help calm you down. And eventually as you're doing your own work on yourself, your personal growth stuff, you're going to need less and less of that sedative. Like I don't even have any right now. So if I ever do get back on a plane, I'll get some, I might not even use it. Like I don't have any right now. And I've been to the dentist a couple of times. I've been to the doctor a couple of times. It's just, I rely so heavily on those skills I've developed over the years that I just don't rely as much as I used to on the sedatives. So the tables kind of turn and you know, that pendulum kind of swings to the other side where it's like, I have so many skills that the medicine really isn't even needed. So I hope that helps. And let me know, um, if you're going to go on a trip on, if you want to talk about a few things before you take off. If you want to get together, let me know. Um, and, and, and in that point, 
um, I'm looking at maybe doing some one-on-one stuff. I'm trying to figure out as far as scheduling goes. I got a really full schedule with regular work, kids activities, and coaching CrossFit. So, and the podcast. <laughs> so I'm trying to maybe do like four to five people a week, uh, you know, hour, half an hour sessions. I just got to figure out when. Um, the other thing is workbook. And so I'll get into that real quick here is the workbook is something that you can do at home and, and it's just a self-study workbook. It's just something you do on your own. It's a 60 day workbook and it's uh, got a little, uh, one day is filled out for you. And so you can kind of see some of the things I would answer to the questions. And then it's just, you do it for 60 days. And what it does is it helps you learn about yourself. It helps you get to the process of thinking through anxiety, which is, is the hard part. And it's, I'll just go off real quick. It's, it's uh, gratitude top five. Next up is today I'm worried about fill in the blank. I hope to realize that the truth about my worry is my fear of claustrophobia, my fear of acceptance, my fear of loss, my fear of death. Uh, the worry is related. Yeah, the worry is related to my fear of fill in the blank. Yeah, so this will help you define your anxiety, which will cause you cause it to lose its power over you. We want to get to the point of which we can define it in the moment when it arises. So for me, when I'm heading to the doctor and I start to get panicky, it's that's just your fear of health issues popping up. You're fine. You're going for a physical. You're going to the right place if there is something wrong with you. And those are the type of thoughts that help me think through that. So the next up, you, you start writing your top five personal values. And that, again, is just for laying out the borders of decision-making. Once you know your own personal values, it makes decision-making really easy. And it will take some of the anxiety of choosing something off the table. Then it's my mantra for today is fill in the blank. I am brave. I am confident. I am brave. I am confident. It's always a good one. And then the next up is to set today's intention. Today I intend to fill in the blank for myself and choose, I choose happiness. The next up is self-love, top five. I love blank about myself. And you're going to fill out five of them. Reframing uh, your self-image, which is next, which is the I am statements. I am blank. And it's I am brave. I am confident. I am capable of more than I give my credit myself credit for. I am smart. I am funny. I am happy. I am blank. I am blank. I am blank over and over and over. Next up is I believe. There's only three of them because those are the I am's that became belief. And then finally at night, you're going to write down your three wins for the day. And then last up, was I mindful of my thoughts today? Check yes or no. And so that's something right now, it's only a digital download and I haven't really um, set it out there for you guys to grab onto yet. Cause I want to be able to give you a hard copy as well. Right now it's just a digital download. Um, and it's just something you download, but I don't like the fact that you'd have to print it out. So I'm trying to figure it out a, do I just give you one that you can write down your answers or B give you an actual workbook that you can fill that is a paper copy. So if you guys know of any places to print something out like a workbook, let me know. Just shoot me a message at anxietywad at gmail.com and then I'll try to get that out here soon. I really want to get that going because it's a game changer. I got three or four people, four people right now that are testing it out. 
um, that are actually really enjoying it, that it's really helping them kind of level up in their healing. It's some, some people that I've worked with that I, uh, I wanted them to test it out first, just gave them the free version that they can uh, start doing their morning ritual on. So, all right, guys, exit wad. I want you to try one to two things that scare you this week. I want you to test that comfort zone threshold. For me, this would be, I'm going to go in a small room and maybe put a really tight jacket on myself and test my claustrophobia threshold or something in that regard. For me, like I've done enough of these that it would be really hard for me to find one now. Um, but for you, what's, what's an easy win? So like, let's say that you have a fear of confrontation in a crucial conversation. When something comes up that you want to say, say it, that could be your one thing that scares you without fear of repercussion, without fear of what are they going to think about what I think. If you worry more about what other people think and you don't say anything, you're more on their behalf than your own. Keeping that stuff inside is, is, is hard on your soul. Letting that stuff out and saying it, it doesn't have to be something that's malicious. It's just like an opinion. In a conversation, in a group of people, I'm sure there's times where you don't say anything because you're more worried about what everybody else is going to say. Voice your opinion. People get offended. You know what happens when people get offended? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happens. When you offend people, you're still being true to yourself. And that is okay. You and I can disagree on something for your opinion versus mine and coexist. Wow. <laughs> There's a thought. Now you wouldn't believe that if you spent a lot of time on Twitter or, you know, Instagram, there's a lot of people that sit behind a keyboard that, you know, their opinion matters and yours doesn't, but both of our opinions matter. You can have your opinion. There's been people that have commented on my stuff and I'm like, Hey, thanks for sharing your opinion. I appreciate that. I don't agree with it, but thanks. So try one or two things that scare you. And if you can, let me know how it goes. With any of these wads that I have for you guys at the end of these episodes, let me know how they go. I'm going to start finding a way for you guys to comment on how they go. So, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me once again. Have yourself a peaceful morning, afternoon, or evening. Keep coming back. I promise you it will get better. I promise you we can figure this out. See you!